This is the podcast of Christian Life Center, an Assemblies of God Church in Springfield, Massachusetts. For more information, visit our website at clc413.com. Should Pastor Joseph and Carol be listening to this message? I greet them personally. Wish them God's blessings, a weekend of rest and restoration, and much joy together. And we as a congregation here, we, we say hello to you, we're thinking of you, and we bless you. Amen? Amen. 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 I'm very honored to be here this morning, and I do have a message that's on my heart. We saw in the video different scenes out of German history. And we see that Germans are movers and shakers. They really are. The first time we see them on the page of history, they're breaking up the Roman Empire. And they've been at it ever since. The Germans, when they go to war, it's a world war. When they go to a soccer tournament, it's the European Cup, it's the World Cup. They build a car, it's an Audi, a Mercedes, BMW, Porsche. Volkswagen as well, okay. Uh, but Germans, when they have a spiritual renewal, it's a reformation. We see this nation, these people, having leadership in the world even to today when we look at the European Union. And I believe that the spiritual call that God has given Germany that started with Martin Luther that we saw through the Moravian missionary movement, I believe that that's still there and needs to be resurrected again for this time, for this age, for the generation that is now at hand. The question I want to address this morning is, well, what happened? The land of enlightenment, of spiritual truth, that we are saved by grace and not by works. How did this become a land of spiritual darkness needing to be renewed and, and regenerated, reformed again? And some of the things I say today can also be directed to us in our country. Where we are today compared to where we were as a nation in relationship to our God. How do we get here? What is the solution? These are questions that I deal with, and I want to share some thoughts with you this morning about that. Let's look to Germany. Maybe we can learn something here. Germany, after the Reformation, 100 years later, we had what we call the 30-year war. The 30-year war was political, it was religious, it was terrible. At the end of the war, over 30% of the population had been killed through the result of this war. Religion is pretty much looked upon as something that will cause division, turmoil, even death. Germany was separated after that war along religious lines, the Lutherans in the north and the Catholics in the south. Much of Europe was like that, separated along religious lines. Today, many Germans would say, 
If we would just get rid of all the world religions, we will get rid of most of the world's problems. Have you ever heard anyone talk like that? Yeah? This is German thinking. This is German experience. In the 1700s, there was a German philosopher. His name was Immanuel Kant. Immanuel Kant said something like this. He said, don't tell me what you believe. Tell me what you know. He said, it is an insult to human intelligence to ask somebody to believe something that cannot truly, fully be proven to be true. That line of thought made its way to the German seminaries and brought about what we call today textual criticism, liberal theology. And it sounds like this. If what you read in the Bible cannot be backed up by outside historical reference, if the reference, if what we read in the Bible cannot be reproduced by scientific experiments, then we don't really know if it's true, if it really happened that way, and we must interpret it symbolically. Now, let me tell you something. You can't just take a big fan on the Red Sea and turn it on and see if it's strong enough to part the waters and make the land ground so an army can go across it. You cannot do that. You cannot reproduce the resurrection of Jesus by scientific methodology. Mere man cannot redo the great acts of an almighty God. Man cannot do that. So what this liberal theology has done, it has, re, it has reduced the power and the truth of the living God to being nothing more than moral mashed potatoes. Do good and be good. And a lot of Germans would say, I don't need the church for this. I'm a good person. I've never killed anyone. And if there is a God in heaven... I'll get in because I've been baptized as a baby. I pay the church tax. I went through the process. I was married in the church. One day I'll get buried by the church. Hopefully it's not the same ceremony. I'll get in. They'll tell me if there is this God, if Jesus is truly the Son of God, I am Catholic, I am Lutheran, I'll get in. Secularism. Just leave me alone with this Jesus stuff. Secularism says God is not part of my worldview. After Immanuel Kant, the development of liberal theology, we had Karl Marx. Karl Marx, he said, religion is the opiate of the masses. It's a drug to take the pain out of the realities of life. It, religion is nothing more than something that the elite political forces will use to abuse and exploit the workers to comfort them with the message of the pie in the sky. And then he offered another alternative for social living called scientific communistic socialism. And we saw in history and we see today where that has led us. It shows us what happens when man takes God out of the picture. It's really not worth looking at. 
God, uh, man will never be able to produce a just political system if God's not in it. If God's not in the garden, there is only death. And we see this in human history. Well, the next guy on the scene in the uh, late 1800s, early 1900s, was Friedrich Nietzsche. He said, forget God altogether. God is dead. And he started talking about the superhuman, the super race, that we as humans, we are our own God. We determine our own destiny. We have it in our hand. A man by the name of Adolf Hitler made that his political policy called Nazism. We are the elite race, the Aryan race. We are it. And we will build our utopia society, the thousand-year kingdom. We will do it in the name of Nazism. We will do it without God. We will do it without a Savior. We will do it because we are Lord. Fortunately, Adolf Hitler and his nightmare for humanity ended before he could fully plan it and, and, and drive it out in human history. But secularism remains. The thought that man is the center. We have a statement in Germany. It goes like this. Ich, mich, mir, meine, diese, vier, und sonst keiner. I, me, mine, and my. These four and no others. It's all about me, right? We have that somewhat in our society today, right? All these seminars, self, self this, self that, self, self, self. God help us. God help us. We are not our own lords. Germany today, only about 5% of the population will go to church on a given Sunday. 87% of the population would say, God is not important in my life. I think of Jeremiah 6.10 when he said, The word of the Lord is offensive to them. They find no pleasure in it. Do we hear echoes of that in our society today? So what is the solution? I'll get to that in just a minute. There's another challenge that we face today, and that is the challenge of immigration. Let me start by referencing Acts chapter 17, verse 26 to 27. Paul is speaking here, and he says something like this, talking about the development of the nations. He said, God is the one who has set the exact boundaries and the exact times where people should live. And he did this so that men would seek God. Let that just sink in. We see in history that there have been times where God has changed those boundaries. Where God has taken people from one area of the world and had them move to another area of the world so that men would seek him. Now that should not be a surprise to us as Americans. We are a nation of immigrants. And on that first boat on the Mayflower, mostly Huguenot Christians fleeing religious persecution from Europe, they came here to find religious freedom that men would seek God. Is that not our heritage? We should understand this. And we see something happening in the world that has never happened before. There are more displaced people on the planet today than has ever before been 
in human history. A lot of these immigrants today, they're coming from areas that we would call unreached people groups. These are areas of the world where the people do not have a direct access to a Christian witness. Many are trying to get to Europe. Many are trying to come to Germany. In fact, Germany grew by 2 million people in a few years. And they're coming from Afghanistan, from Pakistan, from Iran, Iraq, from Syria, from Eritrea, from Ethiopia, from Jordan, from Egypt, from Palestine. You know what? I've had people from all of these countries come to my city in Germany. They've come to my class to learn German. And I have the opportunity there to share my faith. After the German class, to drink tea with them, to hear their story. I will pray for them, and I will give them the book. I'll never forget this young lady by the name of Mona. I wanted to give her the Arabic New Testament. And this was my first time to try this on a woman, right? I didn't know how it would go. You see, I'm American. She's from Jordan. I'm a man. She's a woman. I'm Christian. She's Muslim. There's cultural barriers here. But how is she going to know? So I said, Mona, I'd like to give you this book. It's in your language. She looked at it and she said, Inchil. Inchil is the Arabic expression for gospel. She realized it was the gospel. And I'll never forget what she said next. She said, I always wanted to have this book. But in my country, I was never allowed to. Now, let me ask you this question. A few months ago in America, I heard this song for the first time. Reckless Love. Do you know this song? Do you sing it? The first time I heard it, it just really spoke to me. In one particular part where the song says, there is no wall you won't tear down or kick down, I think it is. There's no wall you won't kick down. And there's no law you won't tear down coming after me. Now, how do we respond when we sing this song? Thank you, Jesus. We're raising our hands. We're remembering what Jesus pulled us out of. And we praise him. But let me ask you this. Can you see Jesus doing that today in the Islamic world? that he's kicking down those walls of those closed societies, coming after them, bringing them out of these closed societies into a free society like Germany, like perhaps America, where maybe they will hear his name, or maybe they'll get the book, or maybe, just maybe, they might meet one of God's children. Can you see God doing that? He's not surprised by what's happening in the world. He knows what's going on. And I want to encourage us to look beyond the political question and let us see the heartbeat of God for lost humanity. Immigration is a challenge. So how do we address this? What is the answer? What is the solution? I very much like... The, the, the motto for the European ministry outreach from the Assemblies of God, you saw it in the video, Micah 6, 8. 
Micah 6.8. That's what I want to talk to you about. Micah the prophet says, God has showed you, O oh man, what is good and what the Lord does require of you. How many of us this morning would like to know what God is requiring of us? Yeah? We do. I mean, that's where religion was formed. Religion is man's attempt to, uh, to find God, to appease God, to do what God would require of us. And we have all these re religious rites and rituals and chores and duties and all the world religions where man is doing his work, 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 trying to get to a God. And the prophet says, okay, you want to know what God wants? Here it is. He says, do justly. Do justly. I like how the German Bible translates this. It helps me understand the meaning a little clearer. The German translation says, Gottes Wort halten, which means to keep God's word. That makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? Can you imagine how the world would be today if every human would just follow 10 simple sentences? We call them the Ten Commandments. Can you imagine what the world would be like today? I am convinced that it would be like heaven on earth. No murder, no killing, no stealing, no adultery, sexual sins, no abusing one of another, honoring God, serving God, can you imagine what life would be like if we would just follow 10 simple sentences? Doing justly. Doing what God says. Now let's bring it into the New Testament. Let's bring it a little closer to us. Can you imagine how human history would look today if everyone who said they were a Christian actually did what Jesus told us to do? Can you imagine? Now, Jesus said a lot of things, but let me just bring it down to two simple sentences. Number one, love your neighbor. Okay, think about that. Now, now look around in the room here. We have, we're neighbors to each other, right? We're pretty nice to our neighbors. We do that pretty good. Where we live, where we go to school, where we work, we're, we're, we're pretty nice people, I would say. We're loving our neighbor. All right. But Jesus, he goes a step further. He says, love your enemy. Love your enemy. Pray for them. Do good. Overcome evil by doing good, Paul said. Now, I'm going to throw this out. You'll probably never see me again for a long time, so I could say this. But it's history. For the first 400 years of Christian history, fathers of Jesus had no representation in government. They had no Christian army defending their rights. They had no weapons. But they had Jesus. 
Yes, they were persecuted. Yes, they stood in front of lions. They were burned at the stake. All that happened. But they loved their enemies. And they overcame Rome by the power of love. I wonder sometimes whether we as Christians in America rely more on political policy and military force than we do in the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now I'm just going to throw that out. Because this is stuff I'm chewing on. I'm trying to process. But I am challenged when I see do justly. Do what God tells us to do. Which fits into the next one where the prophet says, love mercy. Love overcomes hate. Light is more powerful than darkness. Forgiveness will break the chains of bitterness. There is a power of the kingdom that resides within us when we are God's children if we become God's representatives and children here on earth. The power of love and the power of forgiveness. It is mighty as we love one another and love our enemies. Seeing people for who they are. God's wonderful, beautiful creation. Now, I want to share a story with you. The story is from about a little girl from Syria. I call her Aisha to protect her identity. Aisha grew up the last couple of years in a war-torn zone in Syria close to the Turkish border. Her father came out about, an, about a, a year before the family was able to come out. I met him in a refugee camp, was helping him and his brother learn German. And then the family made it out. And Aisha, when she got to Germany, there was one thing she wanted to do the most. What do kids like to do the most? Play. That's all she wanted to do was play. Because in a war zone, you can't go out of your house. And finally, in Germany, I can play. But in Germany, we have school obligation. In Germany, homeschooling is outlawed. A child has to be in the public or a private school. So as soon as Aisha got off the plane, she was sitting in the middle of the first grade trying to learn reading, writing, and arithmetic, having never heard that language before. There wasn't much playing. But on Friday, I took her to our Royal Rangers. And that was the highlight of the week. She got to play with other children on Friday. She loved it. That Christmas, that first Christmas, we had a special Christmas Royal Ranger celebration meeting. We had a big tent put up in our sanctuary, the side of the sanctuary. And three of us leaders were dressed up and we would go out of the tent and we would act out something that was part of the Christmas story. I was the last one to go out of the tent. I was the shepherd of the first holy night. And I was acting it out. I said, we were shepherds taking care of our sheep at night. We had a fire going. Royal Rangers love fires. 
And then all of a sudden, there was this bright light, and a voice spoke to us like thunder and lightning. We were so afraid. We didn't know what it was, and I'm acting. And I said, what could that be? And Aisha, she raises her hand. And she's the only one who raises her hand. So I thought, okay, Aisha, what do you think that was? And she asked, was it the winter monster? All the kids started laughing because they knew what it was. They know that story. They've heard it many, many times. But not Aisha. She heard it for the first time. And after the hot dogs, the party, the tent was open. There was a manger scene in the tent. And she goes in and kneels in front of the manger scene. She's the only one to do this. She takes up the plastic lamb we had there, starts stroking it. I go and sit next to her. And she asks me, she says, Steve, tell me again, what was the name of that baby? I said, Aisha, his name is Jesus, and he loves you very much. That God would take a little refugee Syrian girl out of a war zone, Bring her all the way over to a city north of Munich just so she could hear his name. How much must Jesus love this little girl? Jesus loves all the children, all the children of the world. Red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in his sight. It doesn't matter the color, the culture, the language. That Spirit created in his image, the treasure of heaven in an earthen vessel. God's heart longs to redeem it, to recreate it, to save it for eternity. Let me finish the story. I shared this part in Sunday school, but I'm going to share the rest of the story now. This past January, a year later, at a Royal Ranger meeting, Aisha says yes to Jesus. At the same time, the Turkish troops are sending, the Turkish government is sending troops into the northern village area of Syria where her family came from. And they're doing genocide. They're killing everyone. They're emptying the villages. So the family in Germany is just petrified with fear because they still have family there. And Aisha picks up on this. And at the end of January, we're driving back from a Royal Ranger meeting. It's dark. It's in the evening. And Aisha's talking. And all of a sudden, she, asks, she says to me, Steve, you know what? I dreamt that I died. And I could, okay, what they're going through, I can understand this. I said, okay, Aisha, tell me about it. She said, I died. In my dream, I died. And I woke up in a box. And she said, you know what? Dying's really not so bad. It's like falling asleep and then you wake up again. Interesting perspective. She said the box, it was a white box with a golden cross on it and there were red roses on top of that. And when I woke up in the box, I went to be with God. And God hid me under his sail. Well, I thought of what Isaiah saw when he had his vision of the throne room of God, how the garment of God filled the temple. For Aisha, it was a sail. And God protected me under his sail. And when I looked up to God, she said, he had so many eyes. 
God can't have that many eyes, can he? Have you ever read the prophet Zechariah? Talks about the seven eyes of God. And then she said this. God took his feathers and rubbed them against me. She knows nothing of Psalms 91. And when she said that, she's she, she smiling, her eyes are gleaming, and she uses the word, the German word, kuschelig. She said it was so kuschelig, which means warm, cozy, protected. God gave this little refugee girl a prophetic dream to take fear out of her heart. Loving mercy, loving people, seeing in them the beauty that God sees. That's what God is requiring of us. That, that's the power that will change the world. And then the last thing, this is a real challenge to us. The prophet says, walk humbly with God. There is so much pride in human history. There is so much pride even in our churches. There's so much pride in us. It was pride that God is out of the garden. Behind every broken relationship, behind every conflict, every war, every unjust act, every criminal act, in human history, at the root of it, you'll find pride. Somewhere, there is this ugly root of pride. Well, how do you, how do you deal with this root? God showed us. What did God do? God emptied himself, humbled himself, was born as a little baby in a cow shed. He lived amongst us. He went to the cross and he died our death and he rose again. Ultimate humility. God lived out humility and defeated through his humility the power of sin the power of human pride, the power of death. God did it. And he says to us, and I believe this is the answer for Europe. I believe it's the answer for the United States. It's not found in a social system. It's not found in politics. It's not found in human resources as we would probably tend to think. But what is the answer? God himself speaks from 2 Chronicles 7.14. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. God promises this. Then will I hear from heaven. And I will forgive their sin. 
and I will heal their land. God's got to do it. As we walk humbly before him, as we do what God's told us to do, as we love as God has shown his love to us, and as we walk humbly as God showed us humility, God says, I will forgive the sin, and I will heal their land. So I want to challenge us this morning. It's just those three simple thoughts. But I believe here is really the key to changing our lives, our families, our churches, our communities. I believe it's the key to changing the nations. Let us pray together. God in heaven, your word is so clear. And we are so challenged to be light and salt in the world today, sometimes overwhelmed. And we think, oh, we need some, some special strategy. We need some special ministry team. We need special outreach equipment. God, what we need is you. We need your Holy Spirit. We need the power of your word working in us and through us. And God, we cry out to you this morning. Fill us with your spirit. We confess our pride. We confess our weakness. We confess our fear of man. We confess our limitations. But we acknowledge that you are more than sufficient. It is not by might. It is not by human power. But it is by your spirit. And we are a Pentecostal church. Let us rise up in the power of Pentecost. Let us be your people of the word. Let us be your people of love. And let us be a people of humility. And let us stand. And having done all, remain standing, trusting you. And you will heal the land if, as we will work together with you. God help us. I would like to ask us to, to just stand and, and take each other by the hand and let us pray for our nation this, this morning. We need God to heal our land. There is so much pain, so much division. So much mistrust. We have left the foundation that our forefathers had founded on the truth of God's word. The fear of God is no longer a principle by which we abide and live. Let us cry out to God. You're welcome to pray in, in, in the Holy Spirit, in English, Spanish, whatever language. Let us just cry out to God. And I will cry out in English. Oh, God in heaven, we, we are standing before you as a people this morning. We humble ourselves. Lord, look at the mess we got ourselves into as a nation. Forgive us, oh God. Forgive us of laws that have made holy what you have said is unjust. And laws that are unjust, what you have said is holy. Forgive us, oh God, where we have become wise 
that we have actually ended up being fools. Forgive us of our pride in this nation. Forgive us, oh God. We pray for our leaders. Lord, help them to seek your face because you are truly the way, the truth, and the life for us as a nation. There will be no paradise without God in the garden. And God, we want you in our garden and our society. God, we plead in the name of Jesus, forgive us the great awakenings of the past. Awaken us again. Cause us to tremble. Cause us to bow our knee, to humble ourselves. God, help us to love our neighbors, to love our enemies in this country, to be known as a people of love, a people of truth. Start in your church. Start with us, your healing agent. Let it start in us, in us, through us. God, we cry out today. Help us, oh God. Hear our prayer. Let us take this burden with us as we leave from this place this morning. Let us see people with your eyes. Let us see the foreigner in our midst as you see him. Let us see the lost in our neighborhoods. Let us feel that ache in your heart. Let us be a praying people, a giving, a caring people, a loving people, a people of truth ministering your grace. God in heaven, help us. Hear our prayer, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.